Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. Saints safety Malcolm Jenkins announced his retirement from the NFL this week. Jenkins played 13 years in the NFL and enjoyed two stints with the Saints. Jenkins was selected by the Saints as a cornerback in the first round of the 2009 draft out of Ohio State. He switched to safety the following season. He left New Orleans for Philadelphia in 2014 and started every game during six seasons with the Eagles. He made three Pro Bowls and won two Super Bowls, one his rookie year with New Orleans and another with the Eagles in 2017. Not only was Jenkins one of the best on the field, he was also an activist, entrepreneur, and philanthropist off the field, doing so much for the NFL and the communities he was a part of. I had a chance to talk with Saints safety Roman Harper about Jenkins, their time playing together, and what stood out to him about Jenkins as a player and person. Roman, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. It's great to have you this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Trying to recover, just finished working out. Um, For some (laughs) reason, I continue to work out like a madman. So I'm good, though. It's just something in your nature. You, you kind of did a lot of that staying ready. That's why you were able to play for so long. But we're here today to talk about one of your teammates and Malcolm Jenkins, who just announced his retirement after 13 years in the NFL. Quite a long career for him as well. You were already a saint when he was drafted. What do you remember about him when he joined the team in 2009? Well, number one, he was late because he didn't sign his uh he didn't get his deal done until a week or two into training camp which was a big deal at the time and I remember uh under Greg we had this thing where you had to buy in so to be able to buy into our defense whether you're a free agent when you first show up anything you had to do 40 up downs so doing those 40 up downs by yourself hell it's the worst (laughs) so I remember he had to do his 40 up downs to buy in and and then he had to get his pads pulled off because he couldn't go anymore he was like hurting then it was a big picture in the uh, newspaper that day uh, the next day uh, of Malcolm just pads off they like Scotty Padmans had to like put him down with water a full like you know water me down type moment and uh it was great that's how we were introduced and um he was an excellent rookie I gotta give him so much credit um him actually being uh being a member of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity I think that really kind of set him up for being hazed and for being you know, having to learn how to follow orders and get in line. And Greg Williams didn't play that. So Greg was like, if you're a rookie, I don't care what round you're drafted in, you got to do what they say. So he fell in line. He was great. Um, he was the first one to kind of kickstart uh, where we would take all the DBs to Best Buy. It was my idea. Malcolm obliged, and it was great. And uh, from there, the relationships only got better. And it's just funny because we won a Super Bowl. And for him to be a first-round pick, he didn't start. He had to grind for everything. And I think it really kind of shaped his mind that, you know, even though I'm a first round pick, the first DB taken in the draft, that I still don't, I'm not just given anything. I had to go out there and earn it and earn his position, earn his playing time. And when we needed him the most in the Super Bowl late in that year, he showed up and made some really good plays for us and uh, allowed us and really helped us win that championship. And it kind of spoiled him because he thought, I mean, I won all the time at Ohio State. I won in high school. I just come to the NFL and just win Super Bowls back to back all the time. And then uh, it doesn't happen that way. But I was very happy he got another one in the field. What was it that stood out to you when you saw him playing kind of right off the bat as a rookie that maybe set him apart? You thought he would have a good career. Well, his effort, his length, uh, he has extremely long levers in his arms and he could run. He played with great effort, intensity, very smart player. 
uh, especially for a cornerback. And that was one of the biggest things I had to really try and help him out with transitioning from corner all the time to safety. How, you know, when you're corner, your vision is like this, right? You get used to seeing just a third of the field or just inside out. Where when you're a safety, you got to be completely cerebral. You got to be able to see the whole, the whole thing. And uh, really just knowing where your eyes are at all the time, talk to him about, hey, make sure our eyes are right, make sure the communication, things of that nature, and just really seeing him grow and then take what we learned together and what I kind of, you know, help him with and then what Darren Sharper helped us with to then all of a sudden go to Philadelphia and be not only a vocal leader, which he was with New Orleans, but really just being that mainstay, really being somebody that never misplays, that no matter what the situation was, he was there and showing up and really making plays and being a great player in that organization, being a leader off the field and uh, being, uh, you know, leading uh, the NFL charge and doing so many different things after, you know, what the NFL was going through at that time in that space. Malcolm being one of the, one of the guys that's really spearheading the whole charge uh, really just shows you his maturity and how great of a man he is and what he's truly grown into. He's no longer just the Malcolm, the rookie, the young dude, but, who he is as a man is completely different than that. And even when he came back to New Orleans, I told the organization, I'm like, the guy that you guys let go four years ago, five years ago, not that same player anymore. He's not that same man either. He's a better person. He's a more mature man. And uh, it really showed uh, when he came back, he really made some really good plays and continued to solidify himself into a great career. When did you start seeing that transition for him? Not just who he was on the football field, but who he was off. Uh, once he went back home to Philly, got back close to Jersey, uh, the moment he – I'll never forget, we were talking on the phone. I'm like, bro, how's it been? What, how you feeling? How you liking it? I was in Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was liking my, my new scenery. And he was like, dude, it feels like home again. He's like, the first time I, I didn't go fast enough at a green light and somebody blew their horn at me. He's like, dude, yes, I'm back. I'm back in the East Coast. And I'm like, that's what you were looking forward to. He's like, dude, it's great. Like, all right, man, whatever you, whatever floats your boat. So, um, so once he got to Philadelphia and sometimes you need to change the scenery to really kind of just get real true growth. Like, you know, change really happens when, you know, when you're in a place of uncomfortability, you're in a place of unknown and, you know, you know, you thought you were going to be in New Orleans forever because you get drafted there. Everybody around you is all the same. And then all of a sudden you get a one year, you wake up and they're like, yeah, we're going to move on it really shakes the core, shakes you to the core of who you are as a person, as a player. You, you know, you've been so highly decorated, all American, all these other great things he was. And all of a sudden, the first time somebody says, we don't want you, it really kind of really, you know, grounds you again. And he really took off from there. I, I think that's really what changed him. He, he looked at everything differently. He looked at it from a business perspective. He changed some things outside of his game and he really grew. And um, I really got to applaud him for that. And uh, um, it was really great to see and be able to cheer him on as he continued to experience a whole bunch more success. You both left the Saints at the same time, went and played elsewhere, came back to be a Saint again, to retire that way. <laughs> what, what brought him back or, or why was that important, do you think, for him to kind of end it where he started? Well, I, I don't think it was 100% his choice. Um, I'm sure he wanted to go other places at first. The Saints wanted to, you know, they were talking with Von Von Bell at the time, and they didn't couldn't agree on certain terms. And like Sean Payne's like, bump all that. I got Malcolm Jenkins. I'll go get him because I know what he's going to bring, and he could be an upgrade to us uh, for all of his leadership qualities, all the things we've been missing in this secondary. And um, and they did that, and it was great for Malcolm. And Malcolm was a little hesitant at first, and he actually called me and we talked about it because I just literally did that. 
And he's like, how is it going back? How is it going back in the locker room? I was like, look, man, Sean's a better coach. I know that. The locker room's better. A lot more people have matured in that organization since then. And they are able to realize uh, when they make mistakes and they're able to make those wrongs right. And if you can do that, you're going to be successful. And everybody can get on the same page. You got a great defensive back coach in Aaron Glenn, who was there at the time, uh, a great D coordinator in DA. You just got to, you know, DA was our DB coach. So, like, I get it. I mean, his his son's first jersey was Malcolm Jenkins. So, I mean, it, it kind of goes all the way back. So, mm-hmm. really being able to break all those things down and see him be able to go back and have success and have the interception numbers that he didn't have the first go around to say that, hey, I can do those things. I am improved in these different areas. And uh, he meant a lot more to that team than I think a lot of people give him credit for. I'm really happy that he came back. And I told him when he really, really decides to hang it up, I mean, is he going to be a Philadelphia Eagle or is he going to be a New Orleans Saint? That, that's still to be determined. I'll let him figure all that out. And I'll let you media people. Well, I guess I'm kind of one of those two. Yeah. But I'll let everybody else figure all that stuff out. When you think about Malcolm Jenkins and his career, he was a player for 13 years. What was it about him that allowed him to have that type of longevity and be so successful for each of those years? Well, number one, he came in at a young age. He was 21 when he got into the league. It just turned 21. That that helps. You can't get in at 23, think you're going to play to 37 as a DB. It just doesn't happen that way. So that was number one, coming in at the right age. But then also using his ability, all his abilities that he learned and being great at playing corner in college and then never losing those skills when you transition to a safety. So now you can cover. Covering tight ends is easy for Malcolm, especially when he learned how to deal with the physicality of these guys and not always trying to be aggressive because it's okay. You can dance with this bear, right? It's like dancing with a bear. You, you got him in speed. Just stay in front of him and learning those little techniques of also what tight end I can jam, what tight end I should just dance with. And so learning those things uh, really helped sharp, sharpen him and allowed him to stay around. And he's always great and never scared to tackle, being more physical in the run game, learning actual run fits because he didn't know that either when he first moved over to safety. So all those things, you combine those and still having the great ball skills and natural speed and, and ball type ability where he's stripping the ball. He just always had a knack for making plays and never losing that. That is what you look for. And that is what you call a true veteran guy and a guy that's able to stick around for as long as he was because he has those type of skills and be able to continue to mold your game. He never stayed the same. He continued to get better throughout all his career and also being able to leave on top. Could he have played, be played another year? Yeah. But do you want to ever have a drop off in your game where now people are saying that, oh, man, he probably should have retired. Oh, I don't know about Malcolm. Instead of like, man, dude, you can still go. Like it's something to be said about that, to be able to go out with those type of feelings and terms or that's how people adore you um, on the way out. What is one memory that stands out to you over the time that you played with him, whether it's something that kind of shows his personality or what he was capable of on the field, just something that you think Malcolm Jenkins, like what comes to mind? Well, it's a couple of things. Um, first of all, it's a lot of club atmosphere nights. Uh, and Malcolm's <laughs> not even a big club guy, but those are some of the great ones. Uh, Miami, our first year he got uh, at the Super Bowl, he got mad at me because I didn't take my shirt off in the club with him. He was mad. <laughs> Um, I would and I didn't. I, I wasn't I wasn't drunk enough. My bad. All right. And then <laughs> my second thing is, is uh, I'll never forget. So 
it was the only game we both got an interception in the same game. And that was against the Oakland Raiders. And we beat the tar out of them. But um, I caught my second one. And then I caught him. I caught the pick. Malcolm caught the first one. Then I caught a pick and, um, in the end zone. And I just took a knee. I didn't try and run it out. And then we got a celebration penalty because back then you couldn't celebrate mm-hmm. together. The NFL is so boring. And, and so now, are you still there? Okay. Yeah. And so we celebrated and they threw a flag on us. And we didn't care. We were like, bump that penalty. We don't care. And we're celebrating. And Mickey Lewis, Loomis came up to us because we both got our interception ball after the game in the locker. We're talking and joking. Mickey's like, so you guys get a penalty? Like, come on, guys. Like, when are we, like, when do we start doing that? And we're like, uh, well, we've never, well, I mean, when do we ever get an interception in the same game? He was like, never. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. That's why we did it. So uh, once we figured that out, that, hey, um, can, um, Celebrate. That's when we can get a penalty. When we both get interception in the same game, you got to do something you've never done before. So those are the two great memories of Malcolm. And also the great strip against Dallas. That's like a play that nobody will ever forget. But it's kind of like who he is, like never giving up, always first in the line of effort and, and leading the drills. Um, those big plays like that. He's just always been able to show up and make big ones. Something you mentioned way back at the beginning in your first answer what is this Best Buy trip thing that you guys started? <laughs> so <laughs> if you get a rookie, um, just to Carolina too, like I was like, no, nah, we're going to do it. Um, you get a rookie. Um, if we drafted a rookie, if the Saints drafted a rookie and it was first round pick, we were like, dude, that's $1,500 for every DB. And then we kind of scaled it back. You know, second round had so much, third round had so much. This, that, that, all the way down. So if you're a rookie, you had to chip in. Even free agent guys, you know, $100 or $50 for everybody because you can afford it. And uh, we're not trying to, like, kill anybody. But first rounders, we're going to be good. I mean, I ended up getting, like, three or four different TVs in my house at a couple times, you know, because we had Malcolm, we had P-Rob, Patrick Robinson. We had a couple other guys follow up P-Rob. It was good. It was always – we were always drafting DBs. So I love being at the Saints because we always drafted DBs and – I always got more and more Best Buy trips, so it was good. There you go. He still does it, too. He he continued to carry on the tradition, so it still goes on. <laughs> well, I wonder who's going to carry it on from here. I mean, if the tradition's still going, somebody's still getting Best Buy. Like, it's going to happen. It's always a great trip, and then we always take a big picture with everybody with uh, everything that you get. So it's uh, it looks like, you know, a big Santa Claus trip. It's great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time talking to me. It was cool to hear some of your stories, your insight on Malcolm. And it's great seeing you doing everything that you're doing and keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, who that? And uh, it's always good talking about great friends. And uh, it's crazy. Now that Malcolm's retired, maybe we'll be able to do a 30 for 30 with the whole deal with the bounty gate. Now that everybody's retired, we'll look forward to it. All right. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you. Roman. Awesome stuff from Roman. So easy to talk to him. He gets it. Now a member of the media. It's always fun when you're able to catch up with a former saint and have him just kind of tell you some really fun stories like that. Mm-hmm. With the New Orleans Saints podcast, I'm Aaron Summers. As always, you can find us on neworleansaints.com or Apple iTunes. Thanks for listening.